Hey, you're listening to Not Having It All, a film and TV podcast with some lifestyle thrown in for good measure. This week, we're focusing on women in Marvel, going through all of the films within the MCU and looking at how the female characters are presented and developed. I'm joined by Neha and Ashton, and we talk about the missing out of a funeral for Black Widow, how Scarlet Witch really is an incredible character, and also what kind of things we'd like to see in the future. So stick on those headphones, increase that volume, and get ready to add more onto that ever-growing watch list of yours. Hey guys, how are you doing today? It's Tuesday. It could also be Sunday. Yeah, I walked Lou, uh, my dog, and got soaked within an inch of my life this morning. Do you know what? I've been waiting for the rain all day. Have you not had it? We've not oh, it's been it. so I've been bad. All day, and I'll tell you why I've been waiting. Not because I want to see the rain, but because I'm lazy and I don't want to water my plants. So <laughs> I'm hoping it hurries up soon. But no, we've had no rain all day. It is and not you know, stopped. It just shows how boring it is right now because it's the one thing I've been looking forward to all day. The rain. <laughs> the rain is coming. This is like the Cinderella it's story. What's that line from the Cinderella story? Waiting for you is like waiting for the rain or something. Oh my God, yes. I love that. I'm just Lizzie yep. McGuire in this. I forget, sorry, her name is Hilary Duff. Um, <laughs> so we are doing another nostalgic kind of episode today. We're going to look back over the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the women that are involved in these films. Can you guys believe it? it was like a year the other day since Endgame came out? Yeah, One we year. Yeah, we had the Facebook anniversary come up because we did uh, the double feature, the mm-hmm. like back-to-back Infinity War Endgame and you saw Endgame Jesus. at midnight. And, oh my god, I couldn't pee for about six hours because I was too afraid to miss anything. <laughs> it's mad. I just couldn't believe it was only a year ago because it feels yeah. like it was, like, years and years ago. Um, mainly because just the idea of going to the cinema just feels, like, forever away now. But, um, but yeah, I can't believe it's just been a year. It's weird. It's been yeah. weird. Yeah, mm. lots happened. Oh. We've only had one film since then, haven't we? It's Spider-Man Far mm, From Home. Yeah, I always forget that one came out after Endgame. Yeah, me too, actually. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're going to look at the women. We're going to look at the evolution of the women because it certainly has changed from the first phase. We're going to break it down into the phases just because it was an easy way to kind of whittle down my list, to be honest. Nothing to, you know. And of course, I have to put the caveat first, which is that if you are a Marvel fanboy and you are listening to this podcast, please be ready for disappointment because we are not here to serve you. And we don't know everything because it's just films and that's okay. So... We're going to kick off with phase one. So if it's the first woman we saw, do you guys remember? No. It was... Pepper Potts. Yeah, I was going to... I felt like it was a trick question. I was worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gwyneth well, Paltrow is actually the introduction to women in Marvel, which feels very strange. Hmm. Um, but yes, Pepper Potts. Um, and then shortly after that, we had Betty Ross, which was Liv Tyler in the Incredible Hulk film that nobody saw. Um and then Iron Man 2 is kind of when we get a new one. Now, I always forget that Justin Theroux wrote Iron Man 2. I didn't know that at all. What? I always forget it. And I just think that's fascinating because I actually quite like Iron Man 2. And Justin Theroux wrote it. I like Justin Theroux. But yeah, that's a weird one, isn't it? Hmm. I do too. Do you guys follow him on Instagram? Yeah, so fun. No. He does this fantastic thing at the moment where he cooks himself dinner and then plates up a meal for his dog and sits at the table with his dog and it is the just the most heartwarming content ever and he's one of my favourite Instagrammers at the moment. Because I don't know about you guys, but celebrities on social media have really gone downhill since this pandemic. Yeah. 
yeah I didn't really follow a lot to begin with but I'm glad I don't now because you just the envy is that much worse when they're going I'm stuck at home and they've got a cinema room and a pool and a game mm. room Oh, it's ridiculous. I think they're definitely contributing to that whole productivity kind of competition that people are doing right now. But it's just quite nice. I mean, Elizabeth Olsen as well, she did this really lovely, um, like, story session on her garden. And I was just sitting there just, like, bemused with Elizabeth Olsen telling me about her garden. I was just like, this is amazing content. I need this all of the time. (laughs) I think she lives in my um, dream house. She is lovely. Mm. She's just so nice. Um, but yeah, I meant to, one of the biggest change we had women-wise was the introduction of Natasha Romanoff. Um, I was really excited for Iron Man 2 because of her introduction and that scene that was in all the trailers of her kicking ass in her suit that was just far too tight and her lovely red hair all curly and flowing around. I was devastated when it was cut off in Avengers. Um, and I just, I just loved her and I wanted to be her because I thought she was so cool and she didn't really give a shit and she was very strong. And it was cool to see just a female superhero at the time because this was before we had like the Dark Knight Rises and Catwoman and, you know, things like that. So I was really chuffed to see her. What did you guys think of the introduction of the Black Widow? I agree with you. I think I remember being really taken by her. But as like as the phase went on and as sort of stories went on, she was no longer my favorite and also yesterday I saw I think it was yesterday or the day before I saw on Twitter that instead of Scarlett Johansson it was supposed to be Emily Blunt playing Black Widow yeah. I didn't yeah I just saw this and then she declined it and they tried to offer her Peggy Carter as well but you know why she declined and it I the article only said scheduling she wanted to do Gulliver's Travels instead oh shut yeah. up oh the Jack Black yep. film. Which I've never even seen. Oh my god, I'm just imagining an alternative universe with Emily Blunt. Doing one-arm push-ups Black everywhere. Widow. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. But you don't know, it's like the butterfly effect. She then might have not been able to go on to do The Quiet Place yeah. and Mary Poppins and Into the Woods. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's very bizarre. It was weird because I always, score, I, mean, I always saw Scarlett Johansson before the Marvel films as that kind of sex femme fatale figure. Um, not that that kind of does, that ends in Avengers, not that she suddenly becomes unattractive, mm. but it was kind of interesting to see her play a character with a little bit more dimension to yeah. her. Um, obviously, you don't see that much in Iron Man 2, you do in the later phases, but I think she's an interesting character but I think the writers let her down as the films go mm-hmm. on. And I think, I mean, I've said it for years, we should have had a Black Widow film in the early 2010s. Yeah, I agree. Um, it kind of does feel like a bit of a cop-out now that we're getting, but are we getting it? Who knows? Um, it kind of feels like a cop-out now. I don't even know when the Black Widow film is set. Have they even stated the time it's set? I feel like it was the 80s. Uh, 80s. I thought so. Let me just fact-check that. I was going to say, the only thing I've seen so far is that they think it might be about her competing for the Black Widow role. Oh, okay. interesting. But that's all I saw. Because it would have been cool to kind of see, because it, it just, it's so annoying when in the films, her and Hawkeye talk about like Budapest, but we, ha- we, don't, we don't get the reference because we haven't fucking seen it because you didn't give us a film. 
which is annoying. Even if they did a Hawkeye and Black Widow film back in the day, if they were that yeah. scared about a female-led film not selling, they could have just combined it together. So um, the... Um, but yeah. the pre- I think actually they missed a trick. Like, you know, they're doing the WandaVision and they're doing the Loki. If they'd done a Hawkeye and Black Widow Disney Plus series, would have yeah. been awesome. Like, I would have paid good money you know, to like see that. Back in the day, like, working yeah. alongside each other. All the different missions. Yeah, how they met, how they started working together, missions. That would have been good. And the premise of um, Black Widow is following the events of Captain America Civil War, which is 2016? Okay. Yeah, so it's definitely not the 80s. I'm obviously thinking about Wonder Woman. <laughs> when, when are you not thinking I about know. Wonder Woman? That is That's the question. Um, Pepper Potts then, just before we move on to Thor, I mean, I am not a massive fan of her character just because there's nothing much to her within the films. Like, there's never really, like, a second layer of development. She's essentially just there to serve Tony. Um, obviously, she does provide an emotional scale, especially in Avengers Assemble when they have that phone call. But other than that, without Tony, she's not really a character, is she? Um, I do like... So, again, I, I never really... Um... I was never really drawn to Pepper, but I did like that she gave Tony a run for his money because he, you know, up until or the way that we were introduced to him, he was like thought he was better than everyone, and he needed someone to put him in his place. And I always felt like that was Pepper, so I like that she was that foil. Um, yeah, but yeah, and I don't know whether I'm projecting because I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow. So I'm like, eh, Pepper. <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> I if I'm just projecting. She was all right. I mean, yeah, I'm ambivalent to Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, I'm not really fussed about her. And that might, again, pass on to her character. But, yeah, I mean, she kind of was a good model in the fact that she was this badass businesswoman and she didn't care if it was a boy's world. She was just going to get everything sorted because all the men around her were useless. Mm. I mean, that was a very good energy. But like you say, it was only shown in about three scenes and then, yeah, married (laughs) off and stuck in a farmhouse somewhere. She's a great counterpart to Tony. I, I do like the scenes they have in like Avengers Assemble when he's being told about the threat and things like that. I mean, we've kind of glossed over Betty Ross um, in The Incredible Hulk. I mean, I've not even seen that film. Have Have you guys? I no. barely like. I barely remember it, and I'd completely forgotten about Betty until you mentioned it. And well, she doesn't appear again, and she's not mentioned again at all. So um, mm, there's that. Poor Liv Tyler. Um, and then we got given thought. Now, this had four female characters in it. Um, so you had, obviously, Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman. You had Darcy Lewis, played by Kat Dennings. You had Frigga, played by Rennie Russo, uh, who was Thor's mother. And you had Sif, played by Jamie Alexander. Um, so quite a lot in there, considering it's a Marvel film. Jane Foster's character is... I quite liked the the kind of resistance or conflict she had with Thor... But I do feel like over the space of events, they do fall in love quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But it is a film. I mean, yeah, and also considering like what he does, like he basically trashes her car, trashes her research, drags her into a whole load of danger. <laughs> like, I would be quite resistant to even liking that kind of person. <laughs> but then <laughs> he is. But it. then you do look at his face, and you kind of do get it. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I feel we were so robbed of her. Mm. Like when Thor the Dark World came around, there was a little bit more to her and then they just kind of wiped her out and didn't talk about it again. And obviously, as we said on the show before, this is probably to do with the fact that she was very angry about the fact that... Is it Patty Jenkins? Yeah. Come on board to... 
So I think it was a little bit of a what's the misfire. Word? misfire yeah i think they definitely thought oh you know what if you're gonna go against us we'll just write you out the whole franchise mm. which is so old now and pre you can't do that anymore i mean people work on tv shows for years and hate each other it's it's bizarre she's back for the but next one obviously she, yeah she's back for the next thor and she's gonna play mm. the female thor so i think this is maybe their their uh, way of trying to redeem the character or redeem what they did <laughs> but um I still think Natalie Portman in a Marvel film in 2011 was a very, very big Yeah, yeah, thing. for sure. Since she just won the Oscar. It was huge. Mad. Um, Darcy Lewis, though, played by Kat Dennings. I think Kat Dennings is great. She's I love her. A, she's a fantastic person, and I wish she was in more things. And comedic-wise, she's just so cutthroat and sarcastic and funny. And she was such a good fit in this film and in The Dark World, especially against Stellan Skarsgård. And it's just a shame that you have that great character and now it's kind of been replaced by characters like Michael Penner in Ant-Man and, you know, some Ragnarok characters. Um, But I I understand that it's pretty hard to fit this human character into the sphere of Avengers kind of thing. Um, But I kind of hope she makes a return in the next Thor film. Oh, same. Yeah. Like you say, I love her and her character did add something she wasn't just there for comic relief like she did actually help which is a lot Mm. more than we can say for some female characters (laughs) betty ross so mm -hmm. who literally i said betty ross i'm like maybe i shouldn't say that because i don't even remember what she did she may have been really helpful (laughs) she cleaned up after (laughs) what did you guys think of sif then jamie alexander's character because there was a little bit of um I don't know, romance or kind of some kind of love tendencies between her and Oh, do you think? I thought they were going to do... I do, I definitely said something. I thought they were going to do a love triangle at one point. Interesting. I really like Jamie and Alexandra anyway, because I loved her in Kyle XY. Um, So it was really cool to see her in Mm. this. Um, Yeah, she was cool. I was... She doesn't come back, though. So that... Does she? No, because she went into that TV show. That's the one. Mm. Which was a shame, because, like you say, her character was so good like oh, a yeah. female warrior. A warrior and like you say for 2011 a female warrior was really quite an achievement and yeah yeah it is a shame that she had other commitments because she could have had a place in a lot of films that like, you could see where she would have slotted mm. in like in endgame in that big massive finale yeah, well, scene i was quite shocked that like as part of the as i know yeah, i know asgard got kind of ruined but i just yeah again it's just someone being wrote out of it which is quite yeah. annoying i'd say um, but yeah, still quite a lot of characters in Thor, which was quite nice. Um, and then we had Captain America, the first Avenger, introducing us to the one and only Peggy Carter. I think the casting for this would have never worked if it wasn't for Hayley Atwell. She gives this performance that is so... It's, she's professional and she's, you know, she, knows what she, she knows what she's doing. She's determined, she's confident, but at the same time she has that small level of vulnerability around Steve Rogers that is just so charming and lovely and you just root for them so much um and i kind of like when i watched captain america the first avenger i knew essentially that he was gonna end up in modern day therefore this relationship wasn't gonna work out but when it got to the end of that film i still Mm. cried and i was still like they had a date (laughs) they had a date um what did you guys think of her because she was the only woman in this film she (laughs) is probably my favorite woman in marvel i love her so much Mm -hmm. i was so sad that agent carter got cancelled after like two seasons um i agree with you i think she was 
well-rounded she you know could hold her own and like you said show vulnerability without feeling bad about it she wasn't you know there was no sort of like she didn't see that as a weakness um I loved her and I agree I don't think it would have I don't think anyone else could have played Peggy like Hayley Atwell I don't think we would have loved her so much had it been anyone else no because you can just tell she's an intelligent character Mm. she's not a ditzy love it she's not a stereotypical damsel in distress kind of situation um and she's just a great fit she's just a great fit and she's kind of like he's equal as well it's not yeah. like they have a relationship where he's the fire and she's this like they they're quite equal which i really love um yeah and it's weird because they did use her quite a lot because she had the marvel one shot short film which i think was on the iron man 3 dvd mm-hmm. and then of course she had her own show um so yeah it's it's just a shame but she does thankfully pop up a few films later as well which is quite good because i think that would have been a waste um if they just didn't use her again i think they're gonna do a what if episode on her aren't they i could be completely what what is this what if is it is it a marvel show or is it something else yeah i mean excuse me for banging on about it but it is disney plus i'm sorry It's going to be my thing. Um, but it's a, I think it's an animated series, and basically it's looking at all the other options the Marvel Universe could have taken because there's a million different comic book verses. And so I think one of them is her becoming Captain America. And then there's Ooh. like, a, I know there's a zombie apocalypse one because there really some art for that. So it was like art of Captain America as a zombie. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a whole bunch of other alternative universes that could have been, which is quite cool. So her having a role it, in that Disney. will be quite fun. I love that Disney and Marvel have that much money. They're able to make films on what could have happened in their Well, films. I think it's a TV series. So it's I think, amazing. yeah, they could be anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. But like you say, they've got enough funding to put an entire TV series out yeah. there that will go nowhere. Because like you say, there's nothing you can spawn off that. It's fantastic. Could you imagine if they did that? Like, we're going to do the whole universe again but a bit differently it's like i don't know if i can't i don't have the energy i no. can't do it i'm sorry well that's it like civil war had like five different comic book endings yeah they've done it that many times <laughs> I'm, yeah. huh. and of course avengers assemble we actually only got one additional female character in this which was maria hill played by colby uh smolders um what do you guys think of uh, maria hill she does appear quite a lot. Mm. Yeah, she does. She she is that sort of constant in many ways. As much as not as much as Nick Fury, but I think functions in the same way as Fury as far as kind of yeah, filtering in and out of multiple sort of storylines and films and just kind of appearing. She's all right. I mean, I never f- I mean, we don't really know much yeah. about her, do we? We don't really know her background or like what her life is like. So she's kind of just she's not very ve- well developed, but like you said, she's just kind of like a constant. Yeah. A bit like Agent Colson, I suppose. Yeah, I think she Yeah, she doesn't do much for me, but she offers kind of familiarity, which I quite like. Mm. But yeah. You know when you see her on yeah. the screen. It's like a yeah. I think she also acts as a bit of a link between the Avengers and Fury. Like I mean more so perhaps in Age of Ultron, but she is that bridge where she's familiar and she jokes around with mm. the Avengers, but she reports to Fury and she kind of acts as that almost translator when he's being a bit too rough. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah. this is what he means, guys. She's like the mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Dad>. <laughs> okay, so we had phase two. 
And kicking us off with phase two is Iron Man 3. Now, regarding women in Marvel, this film is a pretty controversial. So, obviously, you have the character of Maya Hansen, who is played by Rebecca Hall. Um, when Rebecca Hall first signed on for Iron Man 3, her role was a lot bigger. She was essentially the main Oh, villain. I didn't know that. Also, um, Stephanie Sostak, sorry if I said that wrong, who plays Brandt in the film, who's, um, I think she's like a female hitman kind of thing, was also bigger in the original script and was another big villain um, and was meant to kind of be um, the main kind of counterpart to Tony. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this got changed quite a lot and I said there was many reasons for it, or excuses, as I will say, one of them was that obviously the main villain in Iron Man Three is Gatis. Sorry, I forgot them. Um, so the main villain in Iron Man Three is Guy Pierce, and essentially they said, "Well, we can't really have a female villain because we want to sell toys." Now, who is buying a toy of Guy Pierce? That was actually their logic. Well, actually, yeah. No, I was reading articles on Black Widow this morning for a later reason but they actually she did not appear as a toy for about five six years so they do big bot sets in like walmart and target of the avengers and it'd be all the guys without black widow and they actually had to do massive they had to do protests like cons and premieres to be like we want widow i was like that that kind of blew my mind that she didn't even make it as a toy and she was an avenger so toys as motivation doesn't really surprise me it's very bizarre. I mean, there was also another female role that Amelia Clark was cast for that then got changed and removed from the script. So I feel like, I don't know about you, but it feels like they thought, okay, we've done Avengers, we've done the first phase, now let's let's try and add some more women into it because we've only had one female Avenger. And then last minute they just bottled it. I mean, that sounds about right, to be honest, because that obviously it comes later, but Captain Marvel arguably kicks off the universe. She is she is the reason the Avengers exist, but she couldn't you couldn't open the Marvel franchise with Captain Marvel. They exactly. had they had to start with Iron Man. They had to start with the billionaire Playboy because the main people who were gonna go were the guys. And so they had to pitch the entire franchise on Iron Man. It's not right, but I, I like any guy I argue about this with, I'm like, would you have gone and seen Captain Marvel? And they're like if she was wearing a shorter outfit and had bigger booze more likely exactly Uh, yeah Rebecca Hall said about the film I signed on to do something that was a substantial role she wasn't entirely the villain but there have been several phases of this but I signed on to do something very different to what I ended up doing that must be so disappointing yeah 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 and also it's Stephanie Sostak who played uh, Ellen Brandt her character was rewritten. She was meant to be the main henchman, and then it got changed to James Badge Dale. Um, so yeah, a few changes there. So that's why. I mean, I didn't love Iron Man three. I don't know whether it's because it was the first film to follow Avengers Assemble, so therefore I kind of had expectations that weren't really there. Um, but when once I found out a bit more about that, I kind of thought, wow, that is really shitty. Mm, I had no idea. Really shitty. Mm. Iron Man 3 is weird, though, because you've got that kid in it that was meant to be in, like, three films, and then they ended up just getting rid of him, and then he appears at Tony's funeral. I think he's going to be in the next phase. Oh, God, him and everyone else. (laughs) Uh, So, after that, we had Thor The Dark World. It pretty much had the same characters as beforehand, to be honest, and not much change there. 
Um, and then we had Captain America the Winter Soldier, a.k.a. my favourite Marvel film. Um, obviously, Black Widow Returns, which I thought was great because it was um, just good to see her in a different film outside of Avengers. Again, it would have been nice to have her own film, but let's not go down that road. I really liked her in this film because you saw a side to her that was a little bit more friendly. You kind of got a little bit of um, history to her. I think her friendship with Steve is amazing. And that's why... I'm going to carry on talking about films forward and forward. But that's why when you had that whole scene between her and Clint, I was kind of like, I'm not buying into this because I haven't seen it. I've seen her and Steve be friends. I haven't seen you and Clint be friends, apart from bits and pieces. Um, I'm talking about fucking Budapest all the time um, Maria Hill of course is back Peggy Carter is back briefly the main change is Sharon Carter now when I first watched Captain America I started looking into like the love interest and things like that and I thought okay Sharon Carter's really cool I really like this idea hated Sharon Carter in the film yeah I mean I'm influenced by my friend who's a Marvel nut and she reads okay. the comics but she hates her with a passion <laughs> And I didn't immediately get it, but I think what squicks me out is that they try and force her and Steve together, even though he's got this flame for Peggy. And I don't know if I'm just being weird about it, but it does <laughs> seem it does seem weird to go after the great 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 niece mm. of your former flame. Like there's just something no, it's weird, super weird about that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Because <laughs> I'm just like weird. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in the comic books, they do they do get together, but I feel like in the comic books, there's a longer time frame between when Peggy is past and Sharon's there. But like you, I did feel it was super forced. Like I didn't like the fact. I don't know whether it's because I just didn't like Emily Van Der <laughs> I just thought it was like there were so many other actresses you could could have got to play as part that. I just had a bit more charisma. Like for me, she has no charisma in this role. She's so wooden. Mm. She's so wooden. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so harsh, but I really, really don't like this. Yeah, I couldn't figure out... Like Again, I'm quite ambivalent towards her character, and I think that maybe that is part of it, the fact that there isn't much to her. There is no chemistry between any of them. And then, yeah. like you say, her character's another one. They just swept her under the rug. I don't know where she went. Well, the thing with her is that in the comics, she's, you know, she's like a secret agent. But in this, she's just like an office worker yeah. at S.H.I.E.L.D. And it just didn't... She didn't seem like she had any level to her that was interesting and I, I know she crops up again in civil war and she's now working for the cia so she's not a secret agent so i don't know i feel like they put the energy they could have put into sharon carter into black widow um i don't know it just it is i'm glad i'm not alone because i really just as soon as they announced the casting i was like oh no but i think it was too soon I yeah think it was far too soon for him to have a love interest it wasn't believable yeah no, it wasn't and they sort of retconned it, really, because then he suddenly was all about Peggy again, like, for the rest yeah. of the franchise. So, like I say, she was brushed under the rug in that sense as well, because they sort of dangled it in the air and went, oh, no, no one liked that. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Let's throw Peggy hallucinations back in. Like Hugely, hugely. I mean, he kisses her, and I think that's way too soon. I reckon that was just for a comedic effect, because you've got Bucky and Falcon in the car making fun of them. But, yeah, as when you have Endgame and he kind of goes back, you do think gonna be kind of awkward when her niece is born and you're all there because you've made out with her <laughs> exactly That's... it's a very mm. strange yeah I, I was not a fan of that storyline or that character um and then moving on to guardians of the galaxy um 
Now, I'm, as you guys know, I'm not a massive fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. I Are like you it. not? I like it. It's just not my mm, jam. Interesting. I, I like them in the, the, you know, the mixed films. But obviously you have some great female characters. You have Gamora and you have Nebula, who are these two powerhouse of sisters. Um, both incredible actors and both bring so much. They probably give some of the best female performances in the whole of the franchise. Um, and you also have Glenn Close in this film as well. But yeah, I mean, you guys like it more than I do. So why don't you tell us why Gamora and Nebula kind of were fresh fresh content to the cinematic universe and the realm of women i mean for me personally i liked the sibling uh presentation as well because we said before siblings are the relationships can be quite a spectrum but their one was so good because it was the ultimate definition of complicated (laughs) so you know and gamora herself was such a complex character i liked the fact that you know she had the relationship with thanos where she was grateful to him but also hated him Mm. And it it did cause a lot of issues. And I just like the fact that both of them didn't take any crap. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that was a big thing. Like, they just, any guy who tried to try it with them shut down. And then that butt's kicked was quite nice. Yeah, I agree. I really liked, like, for like that one scene that always sticks out in my mind of Gamora is when she and Chris Pratt, I can't even remember Chris Pratt's character's name, (laughs) Star-Lord. I was like, (laughs) what's his name? What's his name? I was going to say, no, it's Chris Pine, not Chris Pratt. <laughs> I would have loved it to be Chris Pine. Um, you know when they go, like, <laughs> hand-to-hand combat in the middle of that city? I love that scene. Yes. Like, oh, I, I feel like that was the first time I, since Black Widow, like, since she came about, did I go, oh, hey, she's kicking ass, and I really liked it. Um, I love Zoe Saldana. But I think what I, like, I agree with you, I like that she kind of sits in between two very kind of stark binaries like hating Thanos but being appreciative um wanting to save her sister but also for a while her sister being a threat and I think she navigates that really well and I think she's not afraid to be vulnerable either um maybe not in front of Star-Lord because he's an asshole but like (laughs) you know when she's when she's doing her thing and I think the same with Nebula I think Karen Gillan does such a good job at being tortured and wounded and angry and sensitive and sort of all of the things at the same time yeah because that's it i mean she she wants that approval again for the person who tortured Mm. her because she is so twisted like it's it's the most extreme stockholm syndrome almost yeah and so she's angry at her sister for being better and it's that self-hatred and then they're you know they've got so much therapy to go through but they don't let it get in the way. And it's it. They, I think that's it. I think they were just complex characters. Mm. And that was a lot for female Marvel. Oh, yeah. It was. That's the thing. Because those two are so well developed. And, like, when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy the first time, I did never expect that those would be integral to the storyline of Infinity War and Endgame. Because, essentially, they are. Like, the love of Gamora and Thanos and Nebula and Gamora, you know, it really does just bleed through Infinity War and Endgame. Without those characters, there probably wouldn't be a film because they're so integral to the storyline and the way it plays out. But that's Um, quite interesting, isn't it? That the first time we get, like, sort of detailed, complex female characters is when they realise they need them later. Yeah. Like, they they went, oh, (laughs) we've got to cover our butts for future films, so we better put the work in now. Mm. Like, that, that says a lot. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure what it says. Yeah. I'm not sure I like it, but almost signals the first time they've done any future planning. <laughs> yeah. like... Maybe. I'd love to see the original blueprints. Yeah. 
I saw that um, they were like, they originally started planning like Captain Marvel in 2003. And that just sounds mad that it took like 16 years to make. Oh dear. Um, and then we had Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, kind of stripped back again. You've only got Black Widow and Maria Hill. But we are introduced to Scarlet Witch. But I'm just going to talk about Black Widow for a second. Because oh. we get a little bit more from her here with a love storyline that just for me made no fucking sense i'm still angry we're really rushed together so obviously natasha and bruce banner fall in love which seems incredibly forced and Mm -mm. i don't know where did it come from where Where did like i've got so many opinions on this film i thought i'd because i used to love joss whedon and i don't know what happened (laughs) to him I mean, like, I where did what? And yeah, because like that's it. I mean, the because I watched the Avengers films recently and just didn't watch any of the others. I just skipped through them. So realistically, Black Widow and Bruce Banner meet in Avengers. He almost kills her, and then suddenly she fancies him. That logic makes no sense. (laughs) And then to top it all off, he's going, "I don't want to be with you because I don't trust myself. I'm a monster." And then her next line essentially really heavily hints she's a monster because she can't have children. And that just, like, I remember... that way. That's how I interpret it. I remember sitting in the cinema and being like, I don't like how that sounded. Mm. Oh, I never thought about it that way. It really, and I think just the way they started doing all the, like, um, hysterectomy scene as well, and it just... I hated that. And do you know why? This is because I thought, why do a flashback? Just give us a fucking film. We should have had a Black Widow film in between Avengers Assemble and Avengers Age of Ultron with all that stuff in it. Julie freaking Delby being an arsehole. Like, we should have had that film, and it would have made so much more sense. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to build a Bruce Banner storyline, he could have been in that film. You could have developed it well, but for me, like... I watched it and I thought, what is going on? Because when you come off the back of Winter Soldier, you think, okay, well, it's going to make sense that Natasha and Steve are probably going to be a love situation. Or obviously from the comic books, Natasha and Bucky. But I oh. don't see, didn't see that happening. And it did just feel just so bizarre. And at, and at the end when he leaves and she's all upset, I just thought, you've kind of just... Yeah, I really didn't. I'm glad you agree because I really did not like that. Mm-mm. And and again, and that was another thing. Again. Exactly, that was another thing that they sort of did the test runs. And I remember at the time, Bruce, the, the Bruce Banner's character got crucified, and Joss Whedon basically got booted because of this film because they Is didn't like what, it. Uh, yeah, well, because basically, uh, the argument that I just said, like, sort of Black Widow was kind of she put so much sort of strength in being able to have a child as like a proof of like womanhood, like the idea of that a lot of people didn't like and he tried to double down on it and it just that's kind of why he got booted in the end i think it's um just overall the film i don't know i do like it because obviously it's part of the franchise i like i love ultron as a villain like i love love it yes i've got no strings oh you keep your damn strings exactly Um, and scarlet witch i love and the whole Maximoff twins thing, love, but this this random romance out of nowhere that literally doesn't do anything, sends a really weird message, and then gets completely ignored for the rest of the yeah. franchise. Because this is the thing, because obviously you see a little bit in Ragnarok where there's a video of Natasha, and he kind of has this little moment. And then they meet again in... one. I think they meet in Infinity War because they're both in Wakanda together, mm. and um, they don't mention it. 
Nothing is said, and I thought, uh, even at the funeral. Oh, don't get me, don't get me started. She doesn't have a funeral. She doesn't (laughs) even get a funeral. She gets a moment of solace by the lake, Ashton. No, Tony Stark got a funeral. Black Widow got forgotten. Ah, nah. Like she's not even my favorite, but it was super disrespectful. Yeah, for sure. Yes, for sure. We we will get to that, ladies. We will yeah. get to that. But we, <laughs> we do have to talk about um, Wanda Maximoff. Um, yes. I think she is such a very great, well-developed character. And it kind of kicks off in this film. So she's in Age of Ultron. We see the kind of building of her background, why she's angry, why she doesn't like the Avengers, um, and how powerful mm. she is. And then it kind of transcends, and obviously she loses her brother in this film. So you kind of have that. It's like her origin story, yeah. isn't it? This is her origin story. She's mm. one of the only ones that kind of has an origin story in a main film. Mm. Um, and they made that quite clear because, like, um, when her and Hawkeye are in that building, and he goes, "If you step out this door, you're an Avenger." Like yeah. that was, and you know, she comes out literally guns blazing. It was fantastic, mm. and it was yeah, they really made it obvious that this was going to be her moment definitely an origin story but it was nice because it didn't take over either and elizabeth olsen though to go from indie films to then become a superhero she did it effortlessly mm-hmm. she's just i think she's so underrated as an actor she's because she can do anything i really do think you could put her in anything and she'd yeah. well. um so no i thought that was really great i think that's probably one of the biggest qualities from age of ultron is the scarlet witch storyline mm. and then we had ant-man um, with Hope Van Dyne played by Evangeline Lilly. Now, I really liked Evangeline Lilly for a while, but then she recently said some yeah, really dumb stuff. Yeah, really dumb stuff. Um, but we're going to talk about Hope in general. Um, so obviously she's again she's a very assertive woman, career driven. Um, I do forget about this film. <laughs> oh, same. I only remember the film because I love Michael Pena in this film, and even and Paul yeah, yeah, Rudd actually, the he's the only reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've watched Ant Man and the because Ant Man and the Wasp is always on Sky, so we've watched it about six times this year. <laughs> but um, yeah, Ant Man. I can't remember much of her during Ant Man, but I don't think she's a p- big pivotal part. It's mainly Paul Rudd's kind of journey mm. in this film, isn't it? So, but yeah, and Judy Greer is in the film as Maggie, his ex-wife, which is always nice to see Judy Greer. Yeah, she's, she's cool. Always playing, oh, yeah. She's always playing the mom. Always <laughs> Jurassic Park. She's the mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's phase two. So a little bit of progression with the women, mainly in Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got a new Avenger, Scarlet Witch, a big old mess with Iron Man three, um, and then we move on to phase three. Loads of freaking films. So we have Captain America Civil War, Black Widow is back, along with Scarlet Witch. Again, more progression from Scarlet mm. Witch. And a really great little relationship going on between her and Steve Rogers about being out of place and not being in your body and things like that, which I loved. But I loved it as like a brother-sister thing. However, what do you guys think of Scarlet Witch and Vision? Because <laughs> this is where this kind of love, love interest oh. kind of... Begins vision is bad. Vision just makes me laugh. <laughs> I just think about, I just think about how Thanos took his batteries out and put it in the, in the gauntlet. And I can't. <laughs> like, it, just, it kills me. Out. I'm never gonna me. not see that traumatic scene and think batteries <laughs> out. <laughs> oh it killed vision. Oh, vision. Oh, vision. But again, that's another one. Like they're creating Wonder Vision. Mm. 
And that's going to be heavily backdated. And then I don't like watching things knowing someone's going to die. Like, it's a bit... It's a weird yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's very weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's a strange one. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I thought it was too rushed. The storyline was just too rushed. I think their relationship really... Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just cynical about all Marvel relationships. But again, like, it felt very patronising. Mm. Like, that scene where he's trying to keep her in the kitchen. Yeah. And she has to literally take him to the centre of the earth to tell him to back off. Like, I know, that was quite funny. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> but, yeah, like, considering she had so many great sort of paternal, fraternal relationships with, like, Steve and Clint, like, they were... Yeah, they brought out good sides to her and this whole, like vision thing was like sit in the corner yeah <laughs> yeah um obviously in this film black widow's kind of forced to choose sides and then she changes her side so she fl- chooses tony and then she flips to steve um i was always shocked that she went with tony because she seems closer to steve so that was quite a weird one for me um aside from that though she's not really she doesn't have big that big of a storyline in this film as she does when she was in um the first avenger mm. um but she's in it because she's a Captain Marvel regular now, and obviously they ran out of Iron Man films after the last one. Um, but yeah, it's civil. I think Civil War is about the Civil War. It's not so much about the women, so they can kind of be excused a little bit. But it was nice to see more progression on Scarlet mm. Witch. Um, Doctor Strange, <laughs> Doctor Strange. So obviously we have Rachel McAdams who plays Christine Palmer, and then we have the complete mess of casting of Tilda Swinton as the Asian Asian one. Tilda, yeah. <laughs> this, this is such a mess because literally the makers of this film tried not to be offensive and ended up being so offensive yeah it's difficult because like for someone like me i don't follow the comics i go to the cinema when i'm told to go to the cinema <laughs> and so i kind of yeah i sat in this film and was like okay bit weird but then i came home and i read about all of this and it was like ee. So in the comic books, the character of the Ancient One is a man from Tibet. And essentially, what they wanted to do was they didn't want to do an Asian stereotype. So they decided they wouldn't give a significant role to an Asian actor, as it may be received negatively. So they thought, okay, what we'll do is we'll change it to an Asian woman. But then they didn't want to invoke the stereotype of the dragon lady and they didn't want to invoke the stereotype of an Asian fetish fanboy dream girl by hiring a younger lady. So then they decided to not hurt anyone's feelings. They would hire a white woman to play this Asian man. And then they decided that even though in the film they use the terms her and she... They would refer to this character as androgynous. What a fucking mess. It's one of those things that you're like, yes, I understand the logic, but I don't agree with it. Like, it is one of those cases where you're like, you're going to upset somebody, but just do the generally right thing. Mm-hmm. He said, like, literally the director was like, I did the less of two evils. No, that's not, no, wrong side, <laughs> wrong way. Mm-mm. It's just See, ugh. this is where they could have hired an Asian writer to write in an Asian actor in a way that was not offensive or not pandering to stereotypes, but they chose not to. Yeah, that's it. Like, they could have stopped it at the source. Like you say, get the expert in right from the beginning and you won't have any problems, but... No. You've got Bold Tilda instead. <laughs> Bold Tilda. 
Wasn't um, and Rachel McAdams, she obviously plays the emergency surgeon. She was initially written as a love interest for Doctor Strange, but then shortly before filming, they changed their mind, so she's not a love interest. I haven't seen this film, so I don't know. What's the situation? I thought she was still the love interest. It just doesn't work out. It, yeah, it's, she's sort of portrayed as a former flame, mm. and he's just too career-focused and then too damaged. I mean, I just remember a scene where they were sort of doing that, like, second plane fighting through her emergency room and like she was just so done with it all and i really and like i really appreciated that moment where she was like what is all of this and can we not and i was like yes that's a realistic response yeah <laughs> i respect you for being the one normal woman who just doesn't want to deal with this i like that i like that do you reckon she'll return for the next film or is it kind of like her storyline is done? i feel like unless they choose to write something for substantial for Rachel McAdams, I don't want her to come back. She was just, she was used so poorly. Yeah, I mean, she was like, she was almost like a symbol of his former life mm. because she used to work at the hospital and then literally he slept off to the other side of the world and then went and hid in a house somewhere. Like, there's no, there's the magic <laughs> yeah. house, which I've forgotten the name of. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's no real natural way she could come back. Especially considering Endgame, Infinity War, all of mm. that. I don't think she could come back without it. Yeah, like you say, being really quite forced. That's a shame, because Rachel McAdams, that's just a waste of Rachel McAdams. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So a couple of new additions on this one on the female front. Elizabeth Debicki uh, plays uh, I- is it Aisha, who is the High Priestess. Um, not a massive role but what I do like is that they were very specific with when hiring her because they wanted a really tall woman and Elizabeth Debicki is obviously a freaking tree and you had uh, you had Mantis the character of Mantis so she kind of um, joins the Avengers and I think it's a really great addition like I could not I actually forgot that she wasn't in the first film and it just feels weird to me that she wasn't part of the Avengers because I think she works off so well against the other characters like Drax um and I think that, again, she's a pivotal part in the, the end game mm. and Infinity War. I love Mantis. Same. And then taking a slight kind of detour away from like the big, big films, is Spider-Man Homecoming. So a couple of ladies in this. We've, of course, got the introduction of MJ, which isn't revealed to the end. Um, although everyone saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously played by Zendaya. Um, I really like her character in this because she's very sarcastic and she's not too in your face and she's kind of like a wallflower. Um, and I think she's obviously, she's not a massive part of this film, but in the following film she is, but I think they, they set her up really, really well. And I was glad they didn't go through the whole like Gwen Stacy thing again because I couldn't be handling that. Um, and then of course you've got Laura, Laura Harrier who plays Liz, who is Peter Parker's love interest. This was interesting because they kind of did, did a different approach they didn't do a standard mj and peter parker thing um they brought in this character who we haven't seen in a film before um but yeah it was it was quite cool and i like that she was michael keaton's daughter and it was you didn't see it coming because you just forgot about the race effect did you guys feel that way yeah yeah so yeah but yeah obviously spider-man was always going to be about spider-man there's not really going to be about the women um, and then we moved on to Thor Ragnarok. So we have our first female villain. The best. It took that long. That's a bit. Oh. And it's Kate freaking Blanchett. Mm. Worth the wait, I'd argue. <laughs> yeah. 
so the character of Hella though, she is awful. And I think the um the main kind of shock you kind of get when she comes into the film is when she she smashes Thor's hammer, doesn't she? And you're kind of like, oh god, yeah. Well, this is going somewhere. Um, yeah, I really love this, and I really think that she, I mean I love Ragnarok anyway. Ragnarok is an amazing film, um, and I think that she really brings something to it when you kind of think, why haven't we got more female villains? Because they can be cutthroat and they can be, you know, vindictive and vicious and awful. And I I really love it. I mean, how do you guys feel about Hela? Because she's quite a fresh kind of concept to the Marvel universe. She's the best. I like how formidable she is. Like, when she picked up um, the hammer the first time, I think I may have had a crush on her too. Fully. Because I was like, (laughs) damn, you know? Um, yeah, I love her. I mean, she's, like you said, she's horrible, but she's just so formidable that I could not take my eyes off Kate Blanchett. Like, she, when she's in the scene, the scene is hers entirely. Um, and I love how she was developed. I love that she was this evil, but she was nuanced evil. I feel like with um, women characters, especially, you never get, it's very rare to get nuanced evil. So I really appreciate yeah. what you do. Um, but yeah, I love her. Yeah, the stereotype is pretty much just like bitchy cheerleader in a high school mm. movie. That's the kind of level mm. of female evil you get in a film. Um, so it's it's interesting to kind of have that. And I thought, and I don't know why. I don't know why. When I went to see this film, I didn't know much about it. I think it was just during a time when I stopped watching trailers. And there were so many Marvel films around that time. I mean, Phase 3 is so huge. Um, that when I went, sat down and saw it, I thought, oh, God, Kate Blanchett's in this film. <laughs> and you should see her when Tessa Thompson popped Oh, my God, up. yeah. Um so obviously Tessa Thompson is finally introduced as Valkyrie um, and she's a tough drinking, she's hard, she's fit. smooth, she's fit, she doesn't take any shit and she's a match for Thor. And I love her little relationship with Bruce Banner as well as Hulk, I think that's quite sweet. Um, and it's just great that within this film, I mean this isn't a Ragnarok episode, although we should probably do one soon. Oh. There's so many characters in this film that are so great. I mean, you've got Carl Urban playing Scourge. You've got um, Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster. Oh. You've got all these great characters, and yet they all seem to find their voice, which is amazing. Um, and plus, I think with Tessa Thompson, is you have this whole side story of her dealing with PTSD and doing that through alcoholism, which is why I was quite disappointed that when she saw Thor repeating that in Endgame, there wasn't a lot of correlation to that. Um, obviously she appears again in Endgame but there's not really much going mm. on um, and of course she has stated that her character is bisexual yes how do you guys feel about Valkyrie because she's kind of like a showstopper in the MCU yeah I love her, I'd let her step on me <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd let it happen yeah I mean like you say I like that she had a solid backstory but they they didn't have to go into it so much that you were like, okay, fine enough. It was just enough to, yeah, explain her behaviour and want you to root for her. Mm-hmm. And so in that scene in Endgame where she comes back, you're like, yes, you've got your redemption. I love that. Mm-hmm. It, it's a bit of a shame they didn't do more with it because, like you say, he, like, they set up such a good relationship between her and Thor. And it just it, it should have carried over, and I don't think it did. Did you think they were going to be love interests at first? No, no, I don't think I did. I felt that it was just like a very solid bromance. Yeah, I love bromance. (laughs) Do you think, is she going to be back for the next one? Yeah, and I love it. She is, (gasps) Yay! She's killing it on Westworld right now, so I'm really enjoying Tessa Thompson just beating people up. 
Oh, I love mm. the Thompson comment. Yeah. All yeah. about that. She's on that podcast, The Left Right Game, that I listen to and just, oh. Ashton is obsessed with this podcast. I can't let it go, I'm sorry. But she's it's only her voice and it's still awesome. I need to listen to it. <laughs> Uh, and then we had Black Panther, which was very, mm. very female-centric. You had some incredible characters in this film, and most of them were female, which was amazing. Um, so let's just recap some of them. So obviously, Lupita Nyong'o plays the romantic lead, really, for Black Panther, but there's so much more to her. She's um, she's a war dog. She's an undercover spy. She's from another tribe. She's... You know, she's fighting for enslaved women in Nigeria. Like, there's so much happening with her. She she knows jujitsu and she knows martial arts. Like, this character is amazing. Mm. And there are moments where you see them have that kind of love rekindling thing, but that's not the main storyline. And that's not her main thing. Which I think, is amazing. Exactly. I think that's why I respond to it far better. Because it is, the romance is literally a second thought. Because, yeah, they're fighting a war. They're fighting a big fight. And I think that's why I, I kind of hate the romance in the other sort of Avengers films. Because I'm yes. like, you've got bigger things going on. And I love her character because she says that. She's like, we've got bigger things going on. Like, yeah. just shelve that for when we're done. And he does. <laughs> and it's fantastic. And, like, yeah, she's so brilliant. But she's not got that sort of Mary Sooner. She's still quite real. Because yeah. that, I always feel that sometimes superhero films, I think that's why they're so scared to do female characters because mm. they don't want to get accused of being Mary Susan, being absolutely perfect and all of that. Yeah. So to actually have some grit to them is just really so much nicer to see. And then we had uh, Denai Gurara as Oki, who is, again, just a badass. Oh my God, I love she, Okoye. She's basically the head of like, the special forces. She's Black Black Panther's bodyguard. I mean, she's just got these fighting skills. She's tough. She's but she also has a sense of humor. Yeah. She has a heart as well. That just again, it's a well developed character. Also, the fact that she had to shave her head every day and then have two and a half hours makeup applied. What a girl! Mm-hmm. I really love that scene in the film where she throws where she's really uncomfortable in her wig. <laughs> and she throws it off yes. like she just does not want to wear it and I really like how they stepped away from the kind of Eurocentric your hair has to look a certain way like she's obviously because it's yes. not set it's set in Africa like it it's a com- yeah it's a completely incredible. different set of rules and I think yeah. Ryan Coogler did such a good job with this movie like yeah. so good and just just following on her like her relationship with Black Panther like the scene in Infinity War when he disappears it's heartbreaking mm. the way that she kind of just it's so so sad, um, and then of course you've got Angela Bassett who's playing T'Challa's mum, Ramonda. Again, stunning. she she's stunning and she's strong and she's just you know she's a ruler and it's just amazing that they got Angela Bassett for this film. Oh my god! So cool. And last but not least, of course, is Shuri, who is only sixteen, but it's probably the smartest freaking person in the entire world. I loved her within this film because she carries along the storyline she innovates the storyline and she's not afraid to stand up to people and that kind of transcends into the rest of the films and it's a shame obviously that she mm. don't really see her in, in Endgame until the very end I think that's because she probably would have upstaged Tony yeah. Stark in oh, yeah. situation I think it's interesting because a lot of people kind of talk about Peter Parker taking on that um, taking the lead from Tony now that Tony you know, died but I think it's Shuri like she's the only one Shuri. she's the only one who's able to use yeah, her now you like, said that. mind in the same way. Uh, yeah, now you said that. I'm like, what have they done? Because Wakanda's like come out of the shadows yeah. now. So by the time that Far From Home is set up, 
why are those two not like even for the sake of keeping everyone happy teaming up to take over the world like you can't not convince me they wouldn't be besties either because come on well I think it's very clear why they didn't Mm. plan ahead I'd love to get Shuri in a Spider-Man film or um Peter Parker in the dynamic would be so fun I think so and then Shuri gets MJ as well that would be really yeah oh my god he'd be in the corner crying because they're just savaging him that would be fantastic um, and then, of course, following Black Panther, we had Infinity War. Uh, we've kind of touched on the kind of female basics within this film, to be honest. There's not really much more to add. Um, so we'll move on to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Obviously, this is kind of Hope's character being a bit more developed, which is interesting. But then we also have another female villain um, with Hannah John Cameron, who stars as Ava Star, the ghost. Um, but I wasn't fully kind of taken away by this kind of character or performance. It again kind of felt like a bit of a cop out, and I would have been kind of happy with them just fighting Walton and Goblins, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Mm. Um, but she's but she's there, and also Michelle Pfeiffer joins the I cast. Love her. As yeah, Fine. maybe because like I've I literally only just watched it for the first time a couple of days ago because it oh. came out when I couldn't get near a cinema. <laughs> so, <laughs> mm, um, I think for me, like the two of them. Like, the only time I really felt for sort of the female villain was right at the end when Michelle Pfeiffer's just about to cure her. She was sort of shifting out and she goes, oh, the pain is unimaginable. And I was like, in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, you're such a great metaphor for, like, people with chronic pain and, like, under- yeah. and her motivation was just she was so in so much pain. She was driven insane. I was like, why am I feeling this now? Yeah. And she got cured in the next minute. Yeah. I was like, I really need... That could have been just... Exp- like that sentence or that little bit could have come half an hour, an hour earlier, and she would have just yeah. been so much deeper as a character. They didn't develop her well enough at all. No, because I, I like I said, I felt for her in the last five minutes, by which point she was already cured. Mm. And I was like, oh, well. No, yeah, she like I said, it was a waste. Yeah, she reminds me of like a Mission Impossible villain. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's, it's weird. I don't know why I think that. Um, but then Captain Marvel came along and kind of saved us all. So obviously, in realm of women in Marvel, this is kind of like the. Oh. the pivotal point to be honest we get finally get our female lead um in the role of carol danvers but then that's not just it we, we have you know minerva played by Gemma chan annette benning stars as dr wendy lawson and of course you have maria and monica rambeau um two powerhouse performances as well um i don't even know where to begin with captain marvel it was just so mm. nice to see a woman fighting and not having to worry about her love interest or not doing it for a love interest or doing it with a love interest. She's just out there on her own, kicking ass. I just, I loved it. Like, honestly, it just, I I mean, I was hesitant because like I said, I've got a friend who doesn't like female superheroes. So I was going in going, oh God, oh God. But Brie Larson just, kills it. I was so in love. Mm. I was so in love. I was just sat there just staring at her the whole time (laughs) like she came out in that like leather and flannel like 90s grunge look and i was like i'm gone that's it i'm done (laughs) the performance she she manages to be strong and determined but at the same time she has that kind of she has that charm and she has that kind of out of out of timeness that steve rogers Mm. has where she says things that are because obviously she's transported to earth and she says things that you know nick fury and agent carlson are going to regard as funny but she doesn't even flinch um and it's great to see how she slowly unravels the truth about her life and it's not gimmicky and she has a heart and yeah like i said it's just great to see a woman forefront and center fighting Mm -hmm. the bad guys 
Yeah, and, and she she's was... not a Russian spy, and she's not <sighs> a sexy femme fatale. She's just Captain mm. Marvel. Yeah, exactly. Like even from the start, you saw her uniform was just like totally business, and then. Like you say, with Nick Fury, like, it was just such a purely business relationship. And to see her taking Nick Fury down, like, as much as I don't like that it came so late in the franchise, it kind of did work in that benefit because all the fanboys sort of love Nick Fury and see him as this huge, powerful guy. So so to see Captain Marvel basically ripping him to shreds because he's an idiot, like, that was really satisfying. And, (laughs) yeah, they say, I just think, it. yeah, she's such a good character for being so down-to-earth and just take no prisoners just getting the job done mm. yeah <laughs> and i loved her relationship with um maria and monica like yeah it's just so a nice lot of people, we've obviously commented on it in the past but obviously many people are under the, under the impression or feel that there was probably more to their friendship than the film was letting on um considering that they lived together and they raised this child together and you know they say that Rambo even says, like, her daughter is basically, like, family to Carol. It could have been such a great opportunity for them to have a lesbian relationship, but I think they just got scared. They had too much on... It sounds... They didn't have anything at risk, but in regards to movie terms, they had too much at risk with a female-led film, female director, female co-director. And I think if they threw a lesbian in it, they probably would have just, you know, brain exploded. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's not right, and I don't agree with it, but unfortunately the way they work is they have to think about selling it to countries that are heavily anti-LGBTQ. Like, there's a lot of other Disney films where they put a small LGBT character in that can be edited out. And Mm -hmm. that's why, because they edit it out and then go sell it off. Mm -hmm. It's not right, but yeah, I can see what you mean. I would have loved to have seen that relationship Mm. expanded into something more because, or even just close female friendship. Like again, it isn't isn't always expanded upon or shown without something sleazy being involved. So yeah, it's a shame they didn't just put more into it. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, too much female power. (laughs) I would have bought into, or I already did buy into their relationship so much more than I did Bruce and Natasha and like whatever the yeah it was it was I think yeah like talking about them now and looking back on them now there were very few relationships that I ever got invested in I think Maria Carol and um Monica as a unit was probably the one that I was the best yeah, and Maria was a fighter pilot. Like I loved them, that. Yeah, being young and fighter pilots, and like I want to know, like, how did Maria get pregnant, and where's the dad, and like what kind mm. of to this? And it just would have been, it would have been interesting to see that. But you know, the film probably would have been too yeah. long. Um, so hopefully we get more of that. Hopefully mm. we do. Um, obviously we don't know where sequels lie with the MCU now. I think it is. It's yeah. a fault of no pre-planning. <laughs> Yeah, because this is what's disappointing to me as well, is that obviously she comes back and there's no mention of, like, it's Endgame, like, half the population's gone. She didn't even ask where her family were, like, because those two girls are her family, like, they set that up so they didn't even go, they didn't even check, like, I think it was such a wasted opportunity in the fact that she gave, is it, I've completely messed the names up, Monica, Mm. her leather jacket and said, I'm going to come back for this jacket please tell me there's a scene on the cutting room floor at least where she went in Endgame to go and get that jacket. Yeah. Because well, you've come all the way to Earth. Monica would be... Because it's set in the 1990s and if the, that is set in 2000-whatever, mm. then Monica would be, what, 20, 30? Mm-hmm. 
Like, she could have been working in S.H.I.E.L.D. trying to, like, see if her aunt's still around, like... I'd love Monica in the, to get her in... own film and it to open with that oh. scene. Yes, yeah. please. Like, I, I just... And all you see is just, like, her grabbing the jacket from the, like, seat of her yeah. car and you're just like, oh, my God, it's Monica! Yeah. Yeah, I just think, like, considering Marvel pride themselves on being a series that look at the little details and there's always, like, Easter eggs and little nods, Mm -hmm. that was such, like, a huge ball to drop. I was kind of, like, I was really disappointed by Mm. that. But again, maybe I'm reading too much into it. No, I think I I agree with you, yeah. Not at all. Hugely. Um, The only kind of female change we see in Endgame is obviously Scott Lang's daughter is now grown up um, and Tony Stark has a daughter, um, other than that, it's the main crutch, which is the death of Black Widow. Um, I think this was wrote just for shock value. I don't think they put much thought into it. Um, I think that if Hawkeye had died, a lot of people would have been a lot happier. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded. I thought that's how it was still going to end when she was falling. I was like, nah, something's going to happen. And then it didn't. She just hit the floor and I was like, yeah, oh. same. I mean, I read this really interesting um, comic book trope. It's called The Woman in the Refrigerator. Mm. And it was created... What? Yes, yeah, this is this is a comic book trope. This is, like, proven. And it basically started with a Green Lantern comic where his girlfriend was murdered and stuffed in the fridge. Okay. And the whole idea is that, basically, women in comics are never really developed and then they're killed off just as an excuse for the men to be able to feel real big emotions oh yeah 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 and i've not heard of it called that before but i have heard of it. that is what it is and i was kind of like and then i was like actually yeah she was she only killed so hawkeye could be like human again after he'd done all those horrible things you hated him and then you're like oh but he's lost his best friend oh that's sad and also i mean it's not technically mcu but like deadpool 2 yeah huge woman in the fridge like (laughs) so i think that i think black widow was like a real big victim of that trope she was just killed off so the men could feel something and then once they had felt it they forgot she even existed Mm. it's weird because like with age of ultron they do give hawkeye this kind of nice send-off where they have his family and you know he kind of retires i don't know why we had to revisit that but we could have we could have had endgame without hawkeye very easily Um, but I guess they wanted to bring him back because they wanted to bring everyone back kind of thing um, so no I, I was disappointed and like you said there was no funeral there wasn't any afterthought with it and part of me kind of hopes that Steve Rogers went back and did something yeah and saved her that'd be nice because like, yeah like it's mad like again in like Spider-Man there's no mention of her again Tony Stark's got memorials as far as the eye can yeah. see yeah she, like Tony Stark wouldn't have been able to save the world had Black Widow not died and got the gem. Yeah. Okay. When she like even in Civil War, not Civil War, like Winter Soldier, where she's like sat, sitting there like at um like in front of all the politicians, and she's just like yeah, and come get us, blah blah blah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's um it's disappointing. That was a really really low blow. Mm. We've said it a thousand times in the show before. They didn't do that very well. Um, Future-wise, for the MCU, obviously, we have the Black Marvel film coming out soon, um, some point this year, um, with her leading the way, and also Florence Pugh and Rachel Wise are joining, so it's interesting to see their characters. The Eternals, next year, Angelina Jolie is leading the cast, and Mm. Gemma Chan returns. Um, Obviously, we have an untitled Spider-Man sequel, um, so we're bound to see Zendaya again. Thor, Love and Thunder, as we said, Natalie Portman is going to be coming back. 
And then we have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, where Elizabeth Olsen is going to be coming back as Wanda Maximoff, which is a weird... Probably just to get people... I was going to say that will probably be the reason I watch it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, same. I mean, I also read, I don't know how true it is, but I was reading that that Captain Marvel is going to come back and they're sort of going to look at rebooting the Avengers and her be the lead, which I'm here for, depending on... And so... Um, I think the Eternals and is it? What's the other film that's coming out? Shang Chi. That's the one. They're going to be an Avenger as well, um, and so they're going to sort of look at creating a new Avenger lineup. Part of me is like tired. Like I, I'm, I'm mm. okay now. Like I want to see more Brie Larson, but not at the expense of trotting out what we've already seen before. Mm. Mm. It's like Glee when they got a new Glee club. It just didn't <laughs> work. That is, that's the worry. Like, I guess that's the problem. You can't bring in all these brand new superheroes for one film only. Yeah. In their mind, they're going to try and milk it. And like we said, there's a million, million different universes out there. They can do Civil War or a variation of it ten times over. Same with Endgame. Yeah, we have Blade this time, don't we? We do. Just to see if you know, in WandaVision, um, we're, we're going to get an adult version of Monica Rambeau. <gasps> Yay! <gasps> Yes, and, that's um, what I wanted. And Kat Dennings is also coming back as Darcy Lewis. Oh, nice. Oh, yes. Oh. So, um, yeah. And unfortunately, in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Emily Vanderkamp is returning oh. as Sharon Carter. It's, so just mute her scenes. And I'd like to think on. it's been a couple of years and she's improved. Oh, my God. They're going to make her fall in love with Bucky, aren't they? I was going to say, because Cap, Captain oh my God. the Winter Soldier and Falcon are... Sam Mackie and Sebastian Stan, so... Maybe she'll have a thing for Mackie. Where Mackie's. does she fit Maybe in? Maybe she'll have a thing for Mackie and she's just one of those, like... She just loves Sam doesn't deserve Captain that. America. You know, that's all she wants. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, that's all we've got time for this week. Um, so that's just recapping the Marvel women. Obviously, there's a lot of developments to kind of happen. It'd be nice to see some more. Um, and at the same time, I'm tired and don't want any more. <laughs> <laughs> My heart's been broken too much. I've only just stopped crying from Endgame. Mm. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for coming on the show. It's great to see you both. Yeah, it was fun. I can't believe. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. You're, you're more than <laughs> you, I know you're so busy. You've got so many things to do oh, right now. So many. <laughs> so many invitations to so many places. Um, and it has just started raining. So the rain Yay. has returned. So I'm not like Hilary Duff in a Cinderella story. <laughs> we for you. It's like winning from the rain in this drought. Who listened to that and thought, Dang, oh, she's very No, dramatic. I thought it was poetry. Oh. Yeah. Like. And disappointing. <laughs> so good. And then Google Dolls starts playing. Yeah. When angels lead you. Stunning. I'm going to go watch that right now. Um, thank you so much, guys. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.